Hello, Health Investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Astrid Naranjo. Astrid is a registered dietitian and nutritionist who has helped hundreds of clients transform their relationship with food and their bodies. Her coaching specialties include intuitive eating, body positivity, weight-inclusive care, sports nutrition, and gut health. She provides personalized nutrition coaching services to clients with specific health concerns, including PCOS and menopause-related nutrition concerns. Her expertise also extends to providing medical nutrition therapy to patients in a hospital setting. In addition to her coaching specialties, Astrid is highly skilled in program design for sustainable and effective nutrition and fitness plans. She believes in taking a holistic approach to health and wellness, considering factors such as lifestyle, mindset, and physical activity when designing personalized plans for her clients. In the episode, Astrid discusses weight loss without dieting, motivation, reverse dieting, and more. If you're liking this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd write a review and share it with a friend. Enjoy the episode. I'm Brooke Simonson, certified nutrition coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Astrid. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. Thank you so much for having me in the first place, and it's an honor. Oh, it's it's so good to be connecting. We're going to definitely tell everybody where to follow and find you. You're very active on Instagram. You have excellent content, so everyone will continue to learn from you afterwards over there. But could you just start off by telling us a bit about your background and specifically what led you to become a registered dietitian? I started, I originally, it's funny because I originally wanted to be a doctor, Hmm. but I then realized later, just about to present my exam in the university to access the the course that I was not very good with blood. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, it was, it was not a good choice. So I kind of was in between physiotherapy and dietetics and I kind of decided, hey, I think dietetics is my jam. So I did my bachelor's degree. I graduated um, with honors after five years, which is the length, the normal length that you tend to do for bachelors. Whilst I finished, once I finished that, I worked for about two years in awesome, my own private practice. And then I decided with my husband, which at the time was my boyfriend, that we would just do uh, and explore Australia. So we moved to Australia. And in the meantime, we sort of 
improved our English, and then we decided to do a master's degree. So I, must, I did a master's degree on nutrition, dietetic, and practice, and he did his engineering stuff. So when I finished my master's degree, I started pretty much straight away to work in a private hospital where I do half rehab, clinical nutrition, and half mental health. So that's been for about almost five years and a half now since I graduated on my master's degree. But I've been, been a dietitian since um, 2012 when I graduated in my bachelor's degree. So I've been doing private practice. I've worked in the clinical setting and I also do my online coaching as well. So that is one of the, the biggest parts that I am really passionate about that lately I have been enjoying even more because the the more you you learn how to communicate with your with your clients and the more techniques and tools you learn to empower them and actually get them to see results and transformation not just from the physical aspect but also like permanent changes and permanent transformations is that is what has made me super excited about the work I do and so that is most of the times what I do so I work a part-time in the hospital and full-time mostly online so that's what I do now nowadays it's funny that you say you wanted to become a doctor but you realized you couldn't be around blood because that I was very similar <laughs> I went to this prospective students day at university and I thought maybe I'd do pre-med and then they kept talking about blood and showing all these pictures and I turned to my dad I think and said is there any doctor you can be where you don't have to deal with blood and he said no I don't think so <laughs> so I immediately turned my career trajectory but yes I very much relate to that uh that piece of your story your Instagram handle is anti-diet dietitian can you explain why you chose that to be your handle? It's funny because at the at the time that I decided that handle, I was sort of like transitioning my perspective and my approach to where I was like, you know, when you do your course and you learn your dietetics, they pretty much teach you to prescribe. Mm -hmm. There's not much of negotiations or learning how to make some something sustainable for a, a patient or a client, especially when you're in a clinical setting, which is 99% of what you get taught in university. You, you basically learn how to make meal plans, how to prescribe a patient, what sort of diet they need to follow. And, and there is no much of a negotiation. So when I moved to Australia and I did my master's degree, there was a huge component that I fall in love with, which was motivational interviewing and some different approaches that didn't have to do with diet or that chronic deficit and always being in that realm of diet culture. So I had my own struggles with eating disorder and at the time where I was sort of doing that transition, I was kind of healing from that as well. So I, I sort of was trying to 
step away from dieting and everything that had to do with that going into a deficit or trying to purposely always want to be on diet. Now, the concept after a few months sort of started to make much more sense when I sort of dug a little bit deeper into my whys and what my passion was and what or who I was I wanted to serve and the the biggest component of the client I work with is that history of chronic dieting so when I decided to use that name is more around I I want to serve you and support you with whichever goal you have. If you want to lose weight, you want to transform your body, we will do that. Now, I am not going to support crash dieting, any sort of rapid, quick fix, detoxes, a specific diet, just for the sake of changing your body, because there's no best diets. There's no perfect or the most best ultimate approach the approach that is going to work for you is the one that you can stick to for the long term if you can see yourself doing this in the next five years ten years and it is and feels sustainable then that is the right approach for you keto diets work for certain people for sure are sustainable for some people but they are generally not sustainable so mm -hmm. if you want to apply that to everyone, because it's the best diet, it is not. Same with like intermittent fasting, same with vegans or vegetarian, plant-based. They could be really great for some individuals, but they are not necessarily the ultimate answer if you want to modify your body composition or even if you need to improve your body composition because you have PCOS or you have diabetes or you have a specific health condition, non-specific diet necessarily will lead to the best results. Because it, again, if you cannot adhere to it, there's no point to it. Yes, there's benefits on going maybe just lower carb if you have insulin resistance, is probably a good idea if you have high androgens with women with PCOS to adjust their carbohydrates. Do you need to go keto or completely eliminate carbohydrates? No, you don't. So it's again coming back to what is the the requirement to uh, around that condition, but also what do you need to do in order to achieve the best results by being consistent and find that it's something that you don't feel deprived, you don't feel that you're always using your willpower to go against what you want. So it's learning not just about what to eat and how to eat, but also what to what do you think and how do you feel when you eat and whether you see yourself doing this in the long term. So that's why my my handle kind of have it's been the same for a long time now. But the concept behind it has been quite strong around that anti-crash type of diet. I am going to support your, um, um, I could be a anti-diet in the sense of I'm, not, I'm likely going to try to go deeper when you say you want to lose weight for the sake of losing weight. Okay, do you, why? 
um, and what is the reason? We all want to look really good naked, and that's totally understandable. But sometimes that is not strong enough to make a change. Like, is it really something that is worth the sacrifices? Uh, and especially many of those who want to lose weight that come to me sometimes are in a really good shape. They have, like, you see them and like, where do you want to lose weight? Like, you look really, really good. You probably are in a good number of body fat composition. So that's where I probably dig a little bit deeper because they want to go the extra mile to lose that the last 10 or the last five pounds. And those five pounds, are you really sure they're worth it? Because those that amount of, of, of weight sometimes can be very easy to just to lose. And it's just a slight adjustments in your diet and your behaviors. But sometimes it's just like if your baseline is already quite low and you've been dieting for so, so long, is it worth it? Is it, Are you in a good place to continue dieting? I don't think you are. So I get my clients to a real talk and a conversation where if I don't feel confident and that that is going to be the, the right approach or I don't align with their goals, I try to bring awareness as to why I would say it is necessarily, it's not necessarily safe to go that route or it's not the best approach. And I am going to always advocate for the best for the client, not for what they want. Sometimes what they want doesn't align with what they need. So it's just trying to meet a happy medium. Okay, you probably want to do that, but you're likely going to be much better off building some muscle, looking better in front of the mirror, being stronger, and then we can do a slight reduction in calories along the way when you're in a much better place metabolically. So it's just looking at different strategies that are going to align better with what I what I advocate for and what is going to be the safest for not just their, their physical aspect of the, their coaching, but also I don't want to promote anything that risks their relationship with food. Mm-hmm. Rather doing the opposite, trying to do whatever I can to build a better relationship with their body, with themselves, with food. And then if any weight loss comes along the way with that because of the changes that have happened deep inside, then amazing. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to risk that or make it worse if it's already broken to push a um, in a, in a, an ideal weight or an ideal goal that is probably not strong enough or not sustainable. Mm-hmm. I want to take a quick break from the episode to tell you about a company I've been impressed by for years. Thrive Market is an online shopping platform that offers thousands of products at 25 to 50% off retail prices. For just $60 a year, you get access to a wide variety of premium pantry staples, supplements, beauty products, and home goods at unbeatable prices. To put things in perspective, I save about $20 to $30 per shipment 
which means my annual membership fee pays for itself after just two orders. My favorite part about Thrive Market is that for every paid membership, they donate a membership to a low-income family, veteran, or teacher. So not only do you save money on your purchases, but you also make healthy products accessible to everyone. To read my full Thrive Market review, steal my shopping list of over 150 items, and save additional money on your first order, visit thehealthinvestment.com slash Thrive Market, or just click through the link in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. Something you said when you were talking so much about how you have to find what's sustainable for you, and there isn't a one-size-fits-all diet that works for everyone. So many of the dietary patterns or the strategies people try, like intermittent fasting or keto, people feel very motivated at first because and maybe even somebody's doing it with them, like a coworker says, oh, I, I went keto, you should join me. And then you join them and then you get all excited looking up keto recipes and you're all motivated, but then the motivation fades away and you realize, okay, I don't want to eat like this forever, but in order to keep the weight off, you are going to have to keep up the habits forever. So it's important to find, you know, the diet or the dietary pattern that's going to work for you is going to be the one that works for you forever, or at least for several years, you know, maybe you need to change things down the road a little bit. Uh, I was talking to a productivity and mindset expert earlier today uh, for the podcast. And he said, the real work starts once your motivation fades away, which I thought Mm. was such a really powerful way to think about it, to expect that the motivation is going to go away because it doesn't just last forever. And that's when the real work starts. And you just keep doing these things day in, day out. But if you are trying to eat in a pattern that doesn't work for you, that's going to be borderline impossible. Yep. It's totally true. Uh, And it makes sense when you learn to no longer rely on motivation. But you will need some motivation initially anyways. It's just that you can't rely permanently on motivation. So that's where you, you know that you start with inspiration. You know, you kind of look into something that inspires you to change, then you kind of like, hey, yes, let's do this. But that's kind of short-lived. Then you kind of get to a point where you start jumping on a a space where you start transitioning to putting little things into practice. And that becomes more a regular activity that requires less willpower. Mm -hmm to a point where it becomes a habit with the act of repeating it. You're not necessarily motivated anymore, but because it's kind of something that has already become more natural for you, it's part of you, it's part of your routine, then it's way easier just to keep on doing that. But to do that, you need to start with the least amount of friction as possible. Otherwise, you will always have or face the struggles to being able to get there or being consistent with it. Right. You mentioned that you want your clients to lose weight slowly. You're not supporting any kind of quick fix crash diet. 
Yes. Can you explain the merits of slow weight loss versus faster weight loss? When I talk about weight loss, it is going to be very individual for that person. And I like looking at their baseline. Where are they at that point in time? What is their body composition? What is the relationship with food like? What is their metabolic health, their mental health? Like I don't like looking just a not the number of the scale or the, the specific goal. Like if they want to lose 15, 20 pounds, like there is obviously science supporting that the more amount of weight and fat, body fat you need to lose, there is a higher risk potentially of certain chronic diseases, especially if there is a long-term poor behaviors behind that buildup of that weight. But at the same time, you can't just focus on the habit aspect of it, but you also need to dig deeper into what has brought that person to be at that stage. And sometimes that can be, as you know, obesity is a very complex disease and condition that it's not just about eating more and moving less. It goes way beyond understanding the complexity of it. And sometimes there's a lot more to do with their mental health, their upbringing, their past. Maybe there was some trauma in, in, in between. But there's also the possibility that they just had poor dietary habits. They chose to eat really highly palatable foods. Maybe there was an injury in the middle of the, the process and they just weren't able to move as much. And because of that, they emotionally eat more. We have like many, many athletes that they get injured and they are used to eat a certain rhythm because of their excess amount of energy expenditure. But when they are unable to move anymore, they continue to keep the habit of eating and they put on a lot of weight. The same happens sometimes when we talk about uh, contest prep and clients that have gone through a, a show, a competition, they finish their competition, but they don't know and they haven't learned how to do a reverse, a proper reverse side or what happens after a show. So those kind of things can trigger or lead to very unhealthy disorder eating it could be it could be very you know approach in a really good way and it could be done in the really bad way so when you ask about what are the differences or what are the benefits of a slow weight loss which is going to be for the most part ideally you can play with a range so you can go from uh, and a good pace could be from 0.5 to 1% or, or even 1.2% of their current body weight. And this is a general decent range for a sustainable fat loss phase. Now, and this is per week. Like per week, you're losing about 0.5 to 1.2% of your body weight. There is the caveat that the heavier you are, 
you're more likely to lose even 2% of your body weight in a, or 1.5% in a week. And this is quite normal if, you, if there is a lot of weight to lose because initially uh, larger patients or larger, larger clients will lose weight much faster. And then as they get leaner, the rate of and the speed slows down. But when we are talking with someone that is decently in a middle range of body fat, let's say they are 25, 30%, there's not like the huge amount of body fat to lose. That is the range that we are going to be aiming for. Now, we can play with some small, shorter sprints to get that motivation going, as we were talking about. There is a component of motivation that can help build momentum and that momentum generates good feedback to, oh, this is good, this is what is happening, and I'm very happy that this is happening. And that positive reinforcement helps you build momentum in different aspects that can give you that, that little bit of a push to start being more consistent. And the fact that you get to be more consistent allows you to then get to a point where it becomes a habit. It becomes more of a something that became part of your routine. So I like to negotiate with my clients what is the rate of the speed they are comfortable going for. And I like to start sometimes on the kind of middle to the lower range and see what happens the first two weeks to four weeks. Sometimes we see that with this amount of calories, they will be able to lose some amount of weight, but because some of them are quite newbies and I design training programs as well, they will also resistance train. And what happens with that is that you can predict a rate of weight loss, but if you're newbie and a newbie and you're building some muscle, the rate of weight loss may not necessarily be the same as what you predicted to be. Because you may be doing experiencing some body recomposition, and that is likely going to slow a little bit that rate. And the, this can be quite frustrating for clients that, well, I was supposed to be losing weight at this rate, but I'm not. Is there something wrong with me? And there's nothing wrong with them, but we need to consider that they could be experiencing some body recomposition and there, there's some muscle that has been built that it also weighs something and that could be masking that weight loss. So it is important to pay attention to other things that help you to gauge whether their fat loss is happening. So you're, you just don't look at the scale per se, you also look at how you look, how you feel, how are your clothing fitting in your body? How is your measurements? Are your measurements changing? There's so many different things that are going to tell you that are not necessarily scale related, that there is a progress. And also when you go to the gym and you're able to experience gains and get some PRs, that is some sign that there is something happening in the level of your skeletal muscle. You're building some muscle, and that's why you're getting stronger. And gaining, getting stronger means that 
there's something happening in there. So with that, with that said, I like to, to work with where, what the baseline of the client is. I like to aim for that range of fat loss depending on the client, where they are and what needs to be done. Sometimes the first four weeks, I don't even think about putting them on a deficit. Let's find out what your baseline is first. Let's build a better foundation if there are things that need to be uh, improved or worked on around certain habits, certain behaviors, food selection, food choices, learning how to track properly, how to do certain things. And once you have a better foundation, then we can put in place a deficit. So it is all a, I try to make it as systematic as possible, but adapted to the specific client. And there will be times that I will use certain diet sprints, which can be between two to four weeks at a time that we get in, we go a little bit more aggressive, but we get out and we add some moderate deficit or diet breaks. So that allows us to get some momentum, get some motivation underway, speed up the process a little bit without risking the client's emotional health and allowing the allowing them to also experience what it's like to just be in maintenance when we implement these diet breaks. Because sometimes the problem is the diet breaks are seen like this YOLO, <laughs> eat whatever you want in that, that in that week. And it is not that way. It is just being able to eat a little bit more with the same sort of food choices. You're just getting yourself a bit more calories. A bit, you have a bit of a better wiggle room to add more flexibility to your diet, more quantity, but I don't want you to sort of shift 180% what you've been eating in your fat loss phase, because that pretty much is what makes you derail completely sometimes. And then it's really hard to sort of get back on track. Now, I'm not saying you cannot have your soul foods, the things you really enjoy, but it's, it's something that I always kind of come back to. It's not necessarily about bad foods. It's about the portion sizes that you're going to be choosing and how often and how frequent you are getting these foods in the first place. You can have your, I don't know, McDonald's or donuts or pizza. But it's again, it comes back to how often and how much are you getting. I get patients or clients that they have chocolate every night. And it's part of the calories, it's part of their nutrition, there's part of that 80-20 rule, they have the 20% just before bed. I was having that routine as well uh, a few months ago that I was eating just one bar of the kit, of a Kit Kat every night. And that would literally take me five minutes to eat the entire bar because I was practicing that intentional eating, slowing down, savoring the food, smelling it, tasting it. And letting it melt in my mouth while I was trying to make the most out of that experience. And that was a game changer, not just for me, but for some of the clients that have tried that technique. Because it makes you be connected to the moment, be more intentional. And being able to get a lot of pleasure out of just a small piece. Without needing to reach for an entire block of chocolate or whatever. And makes you have that 
pleasure you're actually seeking when you are eating or trying to eat some of those type of foods. Mm. Outside of hosting this podcast, I work as a nutrition coach specializing in evidence-based sustainable weight loss. If you're ready to stop yo-yo dieting and start living a healthy, active lifestyle you're proud of, I'd love to work with you in one of my programs. Unlike restrictive, one-size-fits-all diets that only provide short-term results, I help you adopt science-backed nutrition and lifestyle habits that work for your unique likes, dislikes, and time constraints so you can lose weight permanently, have high energy throughout the day, feel completely in control of cravings, and stay consistent long-term. To learn more, visit thehealthinvestment.com or follow me on Instagram and TikTok at The Health Investment. You mentioned the term reverse diet and that people do it incorrectly. Can you explain? I know we have just about eight or so minutes left, but can you explain what that means and how you would do that correctly? When you ask about reverse diet, we got to understand that it is a tool. Okay, not everyone needs to be on a reverse side. And basically, reverse dieting means to increase gradually the calories slowly from the baseline of the calories you're currently at, especially if you've been dieting for a long time and your calories are such, such in a low position that it is quite impossible to sustain it for longer. Or if you want to continue modifying your body composition and you think and you feel you need to lose more body fat, it is kind of unsustainably low to lower it even more. Uh, Or in addition to that, you need to add cardio and resistance training and the daily steps and um, interval training just to get the energy expenditure you need in such a low calories. So the reverse side, you're going to use it as a tool to get the person to start just building their calories slowly, mostly for them to get confidence that they can eat more, they can use more calories as fuel to train better, recover better, and sometimes just by default, by eating a bit more, stop that chronic restriction, they are able to perform better. And the fact that they are performing better, they put in more effort to their sets at the gym, and that allows them to have a better body composition because they gain more muscle, they have better fuel, they're recovering better, they're sleeping better, their hormones are in a much happier place. And it, overall, it is the idea for the reverse side to get them to a level where they're happy with the amount of calories they're eating, that is less food focus, that is less need for these ex- overwhelming cravings that you get when you're in such a low calorie diet. And it is a good time for you to work on your relationship with food. When I say that there is a lot of people that do this wrong, I'll say it's because you start adding calories and maybe you add in them way too fast. And sometimes could be the case that it needs to be that way for recovery purposes. If we're talking about a, a patient that or a client that lost her period, has 
been quite lean and they are having all their biofeedback is telling you they are in a really bad place. So they're binging all the time, the, the menstrual cycle is gone, their appetite is ravenously horrible, they are not sleeping well, their mood is worse, their libido is, is down to the floor. So there's all these signs that it, there's a lot of dysregulation in her body. We need to be a little bit more aggressive and get, there, get her to at least gain 4% of body fat rapidly. Hmm. Just because maybe it's, she's very lean. She's in a, in a like stage uh, show contest prep type of state. And that is not necessarily healthy. But many women are just obsessed with that image. I, I would like to look like that for forever. And it's, it's understandable. They look amazing, but it is unsustainable. It's, it's probably just for a show, but then you got to recover and prioritize your health. Mm. But there are other people that they don't need to be that aggressive, but they just do their own thing. And once they add some calories, they gain a little bit of weight. And initially, it's very common, it's very normal to gain some weight because you're eating more carbohydrates, you're eating more food, your weight is going to go up. Your body's not used to eating that. So your body is going to fight you back. It's going to be resistant. And there's going to be some extra water retention. That is super normal. Four weeks, for the most part, the first four weeks are the, the hardest because your body's just adjusting to that extra amount of carbohydrates, calories. There's more glycogen in your muscles. So people freak out. Mm. Fuck. Four <laughs> pounds in, 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 le- in a week. And this is very shocking. So what they do, they pretty much get to a point or a state of fear that they're doing that wrong and they cut back and diet again. So that's where things go wrong because they died again and then I shouldn't have done that because now I feel restricted again and they binge or it comes back to that vicious cycle of what was happening before. So then, well, I'm going to do it again. But again, they go and they weigh themselves. They freak out again and goes back. And this is a yo-yo dieting cycle that makes their body composition get worse they end up gaining more weight than they thought they would. And that's where sometimes they get to a point where it's not a healthy place, but they're also not well in their physique. So when you do it properly, you, you adjust weekly. You go at the level that is safe for your clients, but also is comfortable for them. And you got to be uncomfortable a little bit because it's kind of against sometimes your goals. I've had gotten clients that they come for me to lose weight, but they need to reverse first. Like, I am not going to put you in a deficit. Probably you're not ready yet. Let's build some momentum. Let's build some muscle. Once you're in a much better place, we can do a, a fat loss phase. Hmm. So that is all to say that reverse diet is not for everyone. It's not something that you need to do all the time. It is a tool that you will use in very specific situations to improve their their energy. You can say you can actually say it is like a, a lean lean gaining phase. 
it is a steady, slow increase of calories. It's not as aggressive as a building phase where you pretty much know the intention is to gain weight and put on muscle. So you want to optimize as much as possible that environment to build muscle. Whereas in this case, we're trying to rebuild slowly the confidence, the metabolic health, put everything in a much better place. But you are working against some emotional resistance. Mm. So they are not wanting to gain more fat. But there is a slightly risk that you will get some gain some fat. But if you're able to play with the rate of gain and play with the ratio of macros and get the, per, the client to train and get confidence to, in, in the gym to continue training better and harder, there's likelihood that they are going to get a much better body composition in the along the way. And sometimes you see that they can get to a much higher place in calorie intake that they were they never thought they would be. Mm. And with a better better composition than they ever thought they would. Right. Well, I know we're coming up on time. Uh, where can listeners follow and find you? They can find me in my Instagram. Isn't the first the first place that I am going to be always. Um, and every other, probably every other social media. I am in TikTok. I'm in threads i'm in twitter um, i'm facebook i'm in youtube i am in everywhere so if you find me in instagram instagram you'll find the the rest of the places that you can find me um i am mainly there you can find me as well in my website astrid diety um astrid dietitian.com so you can get me there there's more information about some of the things that I've created for better access and education how to calculate your macros um, in a super easy way how to calculate your like energy requirements so it's like a macro calculator I've designed many different resources to maybe how to get better protein how to track consistency uh, over a year, of, a, a year, how to track your habits, a habit tracker. Um, I recently launched a, a mini book that talks about sustainable mastering the basics to to get a much in a to a much better place and this is a more sustainable way without necessarily needing to track forever. So it teach you it teaches you how to get enough how to manage to get your requirements in place how to deal with your emotional eating how to deal with the the mindset the body image talk that you get with yourself um, and some of the things that you just need as the basics love it well i will link all of those things in the show notes and I just want to thank you so much again for sharing your time with us, Astrid. I learned a lot. I'm sure listeners did as well. And we will all connect with you off air. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. 
All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.